one thing's for sure, he calls me his son. Amen. Amen. And uh, I've had a many a times over the years when maybe warring with certain things, maybe struggle with this or that or whatever, but uh, the second he calls me son, amen, trying to give me help, and he calls me son, that's just kind of like, whew, praise the Lord, still calling me son, amen, hallelujah. So uh, guess what? Because of what Jesus did, what the price that was paid, amen, that doesn't change. You are a child of the Most High, amen. I think that's good news, don't you think so? I said, I think that's good news. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, I got uh, some things stirring in my heart uh, tonight, and we're going to go to a, a key verse, and then we're just going to kind of, again, springboard off that to what we got for you tonight. Uh, so we're going to, again, go to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Put that on the board, if you will. But know this, right, that in the last days, I mean, know we're in those days, right? Yeah. Amen. Actually, as you kind of study that out, as the, as the days progress, is kind of how it brings it out. Uh, but he says you got to know these things, right? You know, it's just like the same type deal, you know, you're not supposed to be ignorant of Satan's devices, you know. Uh, not that you give the enemy glory, not that you're giving these stressful times any kind of glory, but it's just you got to know and understand the hour that you're in, the time that you're in, and understand what you're up against at times. Amen. Because if you, you know, really, you know, I don't know if it's, you know, if there's really a, 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 an accurate uh, percentage that you could say, but I've heard it said, you know, half the battle's just, you know, not being ignorant of it. Yeah. I mean, that's half the battle, you know, and so that, that, could, be, that could be true. Uh, but I do know it's definitely to your advantage to not be ignorant. Amen. Uh, ignorance is one of the, really one of the tools of the enemy. And so, uh, anyway, it says, Know this, that in these days, in these last days, in these, as these days progress, perilous times will come. And again, this word perilous times, some of your cross-reference even say it, calls it stressful times or times of stress, depending on your uh, cross-reference there. Uh, but it, it also means uh, ferocious or difficult days. But uh, this is kind of a, a major, but it means the reducing of the strength or reducing the strength of. And uh, so, you know, that's really the tactic, you know, get yourself overwhelmed. Uh, you know, maybe some uh, synonyms to the word stress uh, would be tension, strain, nervousness, weariness, fatigue. And the fatigue comes by overexertion uh, due to striving, um, due to um, struggle, whatever. Uh, and as we've, um, I'm not going into all this, but as uh, we've talked about multiple times through the course of this on our Wednesday night services, is that as you read, get on further down this text, he starts explaining these different reasons why and how stress come. And the key is that really when you sum it up, it's this, it comes down to this, that stress is out there because we're more of a lover of self than we are of God, Period. Because when it's all about you, when it's all about you self-serving or self-striving, in other words, you trying to get it all done in your own power, uh, you know, it's all about how, what you can do and how you can do it and can you do it or will you do it or how you do it, all that kind of stuff. It, it, it's like you got more attention on you than you do on Him. How I many know He's your source? Let's try that one more time. He's your source. Amen. You know, He's your answer. He's your... Uh, you know, he's your health, he's your, uh, you know, he's your provision, he's your deliverance, amen. He's your all in all, amen. And so the more that we move into him, the less stress there will be. 
Amen. And we need to know these things. So we've been talking about this uh, every week and coming at it from different angles. And today I'm going to start out of Proverbs 14. Uh, Proverbs 14, please. And uh, a verse that you know I've used once in a while. Actually, some of us maybe can even quote this one. And it just says this, that there is a way that seems right. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death, ruin, destruction. Um, and we're kind of using it in a sense, too. Uh, this, this word, um, well, let me say it this way first, and it kind of make more sense to you. But it means the place or state of Hades. So in other words, it, it says this, that, that there's a way that seems right to a man. You know, you chose that, you went that route because it seemed right. But the problem is it has an end, it has an end and the end is like hell on earth. That's what it says. Okay. Um, and so, you know, a lot of times when you stop and think about it, you know, this is where like stress comes in because, uh, you know, anytime you get under stress under a certain degree, it's going to seem like hell on earth. Is anybody hearing me? And it says here that there's a way that seems right. And this word uh, seems uh, just means it appears right. Okay, now, let's just hang on to this. It appears right, uh, right, straight, pleasant, or even convenient by, by, by means of reason or assumption. In other words, you, you're, by your own thought process, you're reasoning and you're assuming things. Well, it looks right. It seems right. You know, it's got to be right because it seems more convenient or it seems more this or more that. And so you made a decision, and it's, it is a way. It's a way to go. You could go. You can go that way. But the problem is, well, that way, it ends in a way you don't like. And so uh, today we're going to talk about this. You know, there's a way that seems right. All right. Now, uh, I put this, uh, we're going to kind of move some of these verses Fairly quick, Kathy, if you're okay with that. Uh, but Hosea 14, I like to throw this one in there. Who is wise? Uh, this is verse 9, Hosea 14, 9. Who is wise? Let him understand these things. Who is prudent? Uh, let him know these things, right? Uh, for the ways of the Lord are right. They don't seem right. They are right. Amen? See, there is a difference. There's things that seem right that aren't right. But God's ways are always right, amen, and the righteous man, amen, or the righteous will walk in them, uh, but transgressors stumble in them. I mean, they're not going to get it, all right? Now, look at your number and say, you're a righteous man or woman. Maybe you could say that, you know, amen. So you better, yeah, you might, might clarify that, amen. Uh, but anyway, praise the Lord. So anyway, you're the righteous, and you choose to go the Lord's way, amen, and His way is right, not just seems right, it is right, amen. I put Isaiah 55, I think it's like verse 9 or 10 there, 9, okay. Um, just says this, of course, uh, in context, he's talking to uh, those who have fallen away. He's talking about, to a wicked person, one that's up and down, kind of inconsistent. And they've come back. He's calling them, wooing them back. Uh, and so he says, uh, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than your thoughts. Amen. Now, the whole thing in context in Isaiah 55 uh, it's dealing with the fact that His ways are available, and it's through His Word. Come on, somebody. And just like precipitation, like rain and snow come down, and it produces a, a harvest, He says that His Word comes, amen, and it produces a harvest, praise God. 
So he's in context, he's willing those who have fallen back, calling them back in, praise God, to not be inconsistent, but to be consistent and to hook up to his ways, hook up to his thoughts, and the way that happens is through his word. Can I have a bigger amen than that? Amen. So, amen. So that's, uh, uh, you know, we want God's ways. Amen. His ways are right. Let's go back to, uh, to uh, Proverbs 14, please. Proverbs 14 and verse uh, uh, 12 there again. Uh, there is a way that seems right. Okay, it seems right. All right. Now, what we're going to do with this thing, um, uh, you know, for whatever it's worth, I, you know, I kind of looked at this. This is what kind of jumped at me uh, yesterday when I was kind of, uh, starting to kind of hear on, on what he wanted to do for tonight, um, you know, that uh, what seems right has stressed out of many people over the years. Anybody hearing me? Yeah. What seemed right, and then about a month down the road, or maybe it doesn't even take that long, you know, uh, you know, it, it wasn't right, and now we're all stressed out and worked up and you know, you know, all kinds of other things going on. And now we're, in a sense, uh, it's like hell on earth. You know, we're wondering how we're going to get through this, how we're going to do this, how we're going to handle this, how we're going to this, how we're going to that, and all that. And pretty soon, you know, you're just, you're just overcome with stress. And so there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Now, uh, just for whatever it's worth, um, this is what he, he brought to my attention. He said, reverse it. Okay. It says here, there is a way that seems right, but here we go, we're reversing it. There is a way that seems wrong to a man. Come on. There's a way that seems wrong to a man, but its end is the way of life. See, because sometimes when you're going the God thing in your own head, it seems wrong. Well, I don't sound right. But God says, this is the way to go. Well, it don't look right. Well, it's the way it should be. Well, I don't feel right. Come on. But see, there's some ways that maybe in your own head, it don't seem, uh, you know, it, it's, it seems wrong in your own head. But there are things that God leads and directs. And if you just get more connected to him, to his word, his ways, his voice, his thoughts, his, uh, you know, his ways. If you just start connecting more to his ways, you know, your head sometimes just needs to just shut up. Right? Because I, what we're looking towards is the way of life and not a way of death. Now, this maybe makes some more sense as we get into this, but we're going to just see some example of it. You know, um, for whatever it's worth, I, I threw this in. We might come to it later, but, uh, but out of Deuteronomy 11, it talks about, you know, following his ways. He's talking to him. He says, you know, if you follow my ways, if you follow as, as I lead, if you follow my voice, if you, take my, if you take my way and make it your way, he says, you'll experience days like heaven on earth. So instead of having these days like hell on earth, you can have days like heaven on earth. But you're going to have to hook up to his ways. And the reason, you know, this, this gets brought out throughout, I mean, all through the scriptures is because, you know, you got to get the word of God going alive on the inside of you because there's so many things that just don't gel. Like praying in tongues, right? Until you really understand what's going, you're flowing in it, and you got the, you're experiencing it on a, uh, uh, you know, on every level. That I mean, your 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 head just wars with it. Why do I got to do all this? Well, there's if you want if you want a result that the word says you can have, if you want if you want the way of life to manifest, tongues is pretty important. 
Tithing. There's one. Pooh, man, that, that just doesn't go right with the head. You know, I'm trying to get, and I'm giving it all away. I geez, I just don't make no sense to me. But if you want the way of life, then, you know, if you want the windows of heaven open, then there's, there's, you're going to have to, this is the way of God, and His way is always right. Even though your head says, uh-uh. Are you with me? Or did I lose you on that one? All right. So anyway, go to 1 Corinthians 1. Let's go there. 1 Corinthians 1. Chapter 1. And we're thought about maybe reading this whole text, but I think I'm just going to grab a verse, and it pretty much sums it up. But um, verse uh, 27, 1, 27. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, that goes on to say, and the things which are despised. I'm reading verse 28. Uh, God has chosen, uh, amen, and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Why? So that no flesh can glory, amen. There's no flesh going to be glory in this. But in verse 27, God has chosen the foolish things, of the world to put to shame the wise. And, and uh, you, know, we, you know, that just tells you right there is your head ain't always going to agree with it. Are you hearing me? Your head ain't going to always agree with it. Uh, it's it's going to seem wrong to you sometimes. Now, um, let's, let's maybe define this a little bit. I thought this is worthy of doing. Um, the word uh, foolish here means uh, absurd. It's absurd. This is absurd. God has chosen the absurd things, don't, right? I mean, I just, I mean, even just think about it. That, I don't hook. I don't connect. What do you, God has chosen. Listen, has chosen the absurd thing. Here we go: irrational, illogical, unreasonable, nonsensical, senseless. That's what the word absurd means. All of them deal with the head, right? It's irrational. It, it, it's the reasoning in that just don't, it just, it just don't connect. The jawbone of an ass? A, a, a sea parting? It, it, come on, is it, you know what I'm talking about? Throw a stick in the water and an axe head that flew into the water will float to the top. That's absurd. I said, that's absurd. Right? Come on. Uh, um, go fishing and for your taxes. Now, most people say, I, I could hook up with that one. But you know as well as I do, you know, if, you know, the IRS called and you said, no, listen, don't, don't worry about it. I'll get her handled. I'm going fishing today. <laughs> I'll get her done. They'd say, well, that's absurd. Right? A few fish and a few loaves of bread, feeding 5,000, feeding 4,000. That, that, that don't compute. 
That's, that's, that's irrational. Come on. That's, that's uh, what else is that? It's illogical. It's unreasonable. Nonsensical. Senseless. It don't, it don't even, you don't even compute the senses, let alone the head. Are you still with me? So God says that there's a way that might seem right, but it ends up like hell on earth. But if, you know, but you, you got to hook up to his ways, which may seem wrong to the head, but yet they end up like heaven on earth. You get your breakthrough, your miracle, your sign, your wonder. You get that thing manifested. You finally get that thing paid in full. Come on, somebody. All right. But it didn't seem right. Now, for whatever it's worth, you know, maybe I'll do a few more of these. Just uh, uh, the word here. Um, okay, he's chosen the foolish things uh, to put to shame. That word shame there um, in the New King James. I think the Old King James might use the word confound. You, you'll confound the wise, I think is what it uses. Uh, but it means to dumbfound, to confuse, to bewilder, or stupefy. So, so this foolish thing, this, this irrational, absurd thing is really going to, you know, in its, in its, really in its purpose is what it's going to do is it's going to confound the wise. Those that think they got it all square in the head. We're not saying that they're, you know, they're stupid people per se, but we're just saying that sometimes, you know, when you can be so, think you're so wise in the head that all you're doing is doing everything that seems right. And the problem with that is you end up in the mess that you're in, and now we've got a stressful life that nobody wants. Come on, somebody. All because we thought in our own head it was right. All right. Uh, if you go a little bit further in this verse, it says, and God has chosen the weak things, and that just means uh, uh, feeble or frail. Um, uh, the uh, weak things of the world to put to shame, that same word there, okay, to, uh, uh, to confound or, or dumb, dumbfound uh, uh, the things which are mighty, which is the word powerful, okay. Uh, and then, of course, there's more that goes on you know, in the next verse. But, um, but the point being is that we're seeing that God doesn't necessarily always have to choose that way that always seems right to the head. Amen. And so, with that said, um, put, uh, let's do, uh, um, put Joshua 6 on the board, and we'll just look at some of these things, because, you know, when you start looking at this, and then, you know, it, really, in all honesty, what I'm hoping, too, is um, we're, we're hooking up to this to try to get within us an understanding that God can do anything. And if we just let him be God, follow him, amen, trust him, amen, you might find that that stressful life might not be so stressful anymore. All right, verse 1, now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel, and it said none went out, none came in. All right, verse 2, please. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king, and the mighty men of valor. I love that. See, I've given it. They haven't done anything yet. <laughs> they just showed up. <laughs> now, they're not opening the door for them. <laughs> but God says, see? 
I've already given them to you. Now, you know, if, if he would have had a little conversation with some of the boys around, they, they probably said, we ain't got nothing yet. No, God says we have it. Amen. And I think of how many times in our own life that God's already told you you have that. You have your healing. You have your breakthrough. You have your provision. Amen. I have given Jericho in your hand its king and the mighty men of valor. Verse 3, please. Amen. You shall march around the city. This was his solution. Here we go. This is how we do it. We're going to march around the city. All you men of war. I love how he said that. All you men of war. See, they're all thinking, huh? Let's storm the gate. You know, let's, you know, bombard it with something. Let's go get cut down a tree and shove it through the front gate. And we're men of war. None of this marching around stuff. <clears throat> we kill people. We break into places. <clears throat> we take the city. Right? <clears throat> All you men of war, you shall go around the city once. And this you shall do how many times? Six days. All right. Once every day. Okay. Verse 4, please. Now, most of us know this, right? Remember, this doesn't compute. <clears throat> this does not compute. Uh, and seven priests shall bear seven trumps of ram's horns before the ark. Uh, but the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priest shall blow the trumpets. Now, I don't know for whatever it's worth. Okay, the city was pretty good. Obviously, the, uh, from just history, uh, they said that uh, Jericho, the walls themselves were thick enough that they had literally had chariot races on top of the walls. That's how wide they were, how thick they were. <clears throat> and uh, big enough city, okay, that even on the, on the seventh day, there was, I mean, you think about this, okay, it was a pretty good-sized city, but yet all the people, all their, you know, Israelites on the seventh day could march around that seven times, okay? Now, just, 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 just for time elements, just you think about, okay, on the seventh day, they did it seven times. The first six days, they only did it once. Okay, now just hang on to that, okay? And the priests shall blow the trumpets. Say, after the seventh day, after the seventh time around, the priest shall blow the trumpets. All right? Verse 5, please. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people, everybody say all the people, all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people shall go up every man straight before him. In other words, you don't have to, it's going flat. Okay, verse 6. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant and let seven priests bear seven uh, trumpets of ram's horn before the ark of the Lord. Verse 7. And he said to the people, Proceed and march around the city and let him who is armed advance before the ark of the Lord. Uh, 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 verse 8, please. Here we go. Uh, then it, and so it, it was when Joshua had spoken to the people uh, that the seven priests bearing the seven tr uh, trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. Okay, verse 9, the armed men went before the priests and blew the trumpets, and the rear guard came after the ark while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Verse 10, <clears throat> now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout. Or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the Lord 
or pardon me, till the day I say to you, shout, then you will shout. Okay, so he's explained to them how this is all going to work. Except Joshua threw in there, and nobody else is going to say anything, ever, until the seventh day, after the seventh round, after the trumpets blow, then we'll let you say something, and then you're going to shout. That's a miracle in itself, but there's a reason for it. Now, the reason I mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, the seventh day, they went around seven times. The first six days, they went around once. Now, you think about all the time they had on their hands those first six days. And he said, not one word out of your mouth. Now, none of this makes sense. So that's why not one word out of your mouth. Because ain't none of this makes sense to your own head. So you're going to shut up and let God be God and do what he says. And we're going to get the results that God said we're going to get. And guess what happened? The walls came down just like he said. Amen. And they had a great victory that day. Amen. On the seventh day. Amen. Look at your neighbors. Say, follow God. Put, uh, just put a couple up there. Put Exodus, thank you. Put Exodus uh, 14, verse 16, please. This is, uh, this is what happened with Moses. <clears throat> he said, but lift up your rod. Remember now, they're standing at the edge of the sea. They got the sea, you know, the sea in front of them. They got the enemy bearing down on them from the backside. And he says this, you know, lift up your rod. This is what God said to Moses. Lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. This is what God said to Moses, okay? So Moses is standing there, okay? Hello? None of this makes sense. All he asks is this. I ain't asking you to do anything. I ain't asking you to try to, you know, somehow get out there and, and push the water back. Right? He said, I want you just to lift up your rod, stretch your hand over the sea, and divide it. And he said, and the children of Israel go across on, excuse me, on what? Dry ground? I mean, not only did he part the sea, but somehow, supernaturally, you know, they had the little blow dryers out there or something that dried the ground just enough where they, they're not walking across on some muddy ground. Come on, somebody. Have you ever walked in certain places? And I don't know, maybe at the bottom of the sea, maybe it ain't quite so bad. But if you grew up where I grew up, you just walk out in muddy ground. And by the time you get from about here to there, you're about three inches taller. Because it just sticks, stick, 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 stick. Pretty soon you're six foot three. So I don't know. All I know is uh, none of that made sense, but yet they did it. And what happened? Exactly like he said. Come on. They get over the other side. Amen. Closes in on the enemies. No more enemy. How stressful were they when they're at the edge of the sea? Stress is about to go away. Anybody hearing me? Oh, yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, give me Second Chronicles 20. Okay, verse six, uh, 17. This is Jehoshaphat, and and um, and the, they're right now. They have multiple armies that are have combined and now coming up against them. Okay. And this is what God says: You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, 
who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And of course, uh, what happened was uh, Jehoshaphat then uh, issued the praisers to go out before the, war, uh, the, the men of war. Amen. That wasn't really something God told him to do. He just knew in his heart, if this battle is, is, uh, is his and not ours, and we just need to position ourselves and just believe, amen, that the battle's his, then we might as well just send out the praisers. Come on, somebody. And guess what? It's exactly what happened. By the time they got out there to where the enemy was, they'd all done, done deal. No more enemy. It was stressful up to that point. Come on, somebody. Jehoshaphat, the word says Jehoshaphat was, be, was fearful. Jehoshaphat was worked up. Amen. And so, uh, you know, he was worked up. I guarantee you everybody else was worked up. So the point being is uh, God's way is always right. It don't click with the head sometimes. Try this out. It doesn't click with the head sometimes. Okay, you got multiple armies bearing down on you. He says, the fight's mine, not yours. And so he sends out praisers. They get to praising God, and the enemies turn on themselves. And, I mean, it it don't make sense to the head. But it doesn't have to make sense to your head sometimes. That's the point. Because what makes sense to your head has created a stressful life. So, you know, we have to understand that when we're leaning on God, leaning on His Word, walking by faith, amen, that sometimes your head will just scream at you. And you got to be okay with that because that's really what faith is about. It's about trusting a God who leads. Amen. Uh, put, uh, put 1 Kings 17 up there. Uh, another story here. Um, this is uh, about Elijah here. And, and this is, he's already went before the king. And uh, he told the king, listen, there ain't going to be no more rain till I say so. And then he just walks out. You know. And so, you know, I imagine they were all just kind of stupefied. <laughs> right? Thinking... Who the heck is this guy? He, and, and the, all you knew about him up to that point is that verse that he was a Tishbite, whatever a Tishbite is. Right? Somebody from Tish, I guess. Right? Right, he's a Tishbite. And so he comes in and says, hey, king, just want you all to know, no more rain till I say so. Later, bud. Walks out. So then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, all right, here we go, verse 3. Get away from here, <laughs> quick, <laughs> and turn eastward. Everybody say eastward. eastward. And you're going to hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. So he told him exactly where he needs to go. Amen. Verse 4. Now, most of these stories we know, but you've got to understand, they ain't, none of this kind of stuff makes sense to the head. Okay? And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, uh, and I have commanded, here we go, I've commanded ravens to feed you there. Now, that's just wrong on all levels. I'm going to eat something that's been in their mouth. And besides that, we're talking about these are, you know, these are uh, the ravens. I mean, they're, I mean, they're, they're literally going to swoop in, grab food from wherever, probably the king's palace. I mean, I don't know. Swoop in and not eat it themselves because that's what they do. I mean, they're eating roadkill. I mean, this is wrong on all levels. Right? 
Okay, so but your head don't, I mean, but the prophet of God, uh, you know, is, is okay. He's getting instruction. You go to the brook, and listen, you're going to drink from the brook, and you're going to feed uh, from, from food that the ravens are going to bring you. Everybody say there. 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 You got to go there, though, buddy. All right, so it don't make sense, but you got to go there. Okay, verse 5. And so he went and did according to the word of the Lord, uh, for he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. He went and did what he's supposed to do. Amen. Verse 6, here we go. Uh, the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Ravens, not just one. Ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and in the evening. Right? It don't, it don't compute. But, but it happened and because he went to the place he was supposed to. And I don't know, it's just, it's just a thought I had. But, you know, um, you know I've, I've used this as illustration before. But, uh, you know, if, what if he wouldn't have went to that brook? What if he said, you know, that's, I heard that brook's kind of muddy, you know, water. I don't want to drink out of that mess. Ah, I'm going over there. I'm going to go over here. Then he, you know, he's, you know, certain time in the morning, certain time in the evening, he's watching his ravens flying overhead. They land over there. Where? Where he was supposed to be, right? Come on, somebody. Yeah. It's just a thought I'm having. But anyway, the point is, uh, on multiple levels here, this don't compute with the head. Okay? Next verse, please. Okay? And it happened after a while that the brook dried up. Why? Because there had been no rain in the land. So I don't, we don't really know how long. We just know it was a while. And you kind of think about it, okay, you know, how long would it, you know, maybe if there's a free-flowing brook, Always going into the river there. And then, you know, how long does that mean? Does it mean uh, a week? Does it mean a month? I don't know, but, but all I know is a while. Hmm? So, anyway, next verse, please. Amen. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, here we go again. Uh, you know, arise, okay, now, now go to Zarephath, okay, which belongs to Sidon, okay, and dwell there. So he sent him to the next place, right? Uh, you know, see, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. All right? So now you got to go to that place, and now it's not going to be raven's feed. Now it's going to be a widow woman that's going to feed you. Okay. Verse 10. Did I give you another one or not? No? Okay. Well, then hang out with that one. So we know what happened, though. He goes there, right? The whole scenario and everything. But he gets fed, taken care of, praise God. And so uh, he went where he was supposed to go. So, but a lot of this stuff just don't compute. Well, you're going to go there and a widow woman's going, I don't want, no, a widow woman going to feed me? Well, I mean, it may, might make more sense than a raven, but even then, you know, your male ego or something might get in the way. Come on, somebody. At least, you know, <laughs> ravens. <laughs> Now, a widow? Little old widow? Anyway, the point is, I think you're getting the point, right? It don't make sense to the head, but yet, it's how it works. Put a couple more up there. Put Matthew 17. Everybody say, go. go. Amen. Nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast in a hook, and take the fish that comes up first. And when you have opened its mouth, you will see a piece of money. Uh, right? Take it, take that and give it to them. We're talking about the taxes, right? Right? 
Everybody, look at it, you know, he says, go to the sea. Just like he's talking to the prophet of God, okay? Go over to the brook. Now go to town. Here he says, go to the sea, cast in a hook, take it up. What's that? Go to the sea. Uh, you know, I was thinking about this. You know, last week we talked about, you know, not letting the enemy corrupt the simplicity that's in Christ. And I think about so many times, if you really just go along and you look at all the different things, we're going to show a bunch of them today, but you look at all the different things that, that God or, or, or Jesus had given instruction, you know, by the Holy Ghost to told him to do things. It, there ain't really, there ain't hard, there ain't really none of them that are complicated. They're simple instructions. They just don't make sense to the head. The head just gets in the way. Now, God doesn't want you stupid. And God doesn't want you ignorant, but God wants you somewhere along the line to take authority over the mind and make him God and not you God. Because when you're God, then it's about you doing. You become self-serving, self-striving, and all you end up is stressed. And so he's just saying if somewhere along the line, you're going to have to override your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding because that's what gets you in trouble. Well, you know, you know, you start thinking about time and you start thinking about money and you start thinking about, you know, your health or you start thinking about your relational things. You start, pretty soon you're the one calling all the shots. And you, in the end you go, in Jesus' name. <laughs> and all along it's just you striving. It's you doing it. And God, and God wants to walk you through things, you know. And, and wants to lead you in things. And sometimes it just doesn't compute. But yet, the taxes got paid. I said the taxes got paid. And, and really, we're not talking about a very long length of time. I mean, he goes out, throws in. He said the first one that comes up is going to have it. So, amen. Uh, Acts 9, put that on the board. I'm just, I'm just kind of going on this word go thing right now. Because he said uh, trembling and astonished. This, is, uh, this was um, Saul. Okay, this actually later comes Paul, right, okay, on the road to Damascus, right? So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, here we go, arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. I mean, all he got is instruction, get up, get up, dude. I, I, I know you're taking background. Get up, now go to town, and you'll get further instruction as you get to town. There ain't nothing complicated about that. But this is not, it's just not computing. The boy just got done knocked on his backside with, a, with a, a, a bright light. Come on, somebody. Now he's not seeing, right, because of what happened to his eyes. All the other boys around that are with him, they're all just as taken back by it all. And so his instructions rise and go to the city. Just do this, will you? Yes, sir. All right? And the whole time he's gone, I don't get it. I don't understand this. And you think about Paul and himself. Paul thought he was already doing the will of God. And he had a rude awakening. You're not. You're getting in the way. You're messing it up. So he had to get a whole new thinking paradigm. He had to get a whole new switched up on thinking here. And, and so this, he's a, he's a little bit stupefied. Are you hearing me? All right, he later becomes one of the greatest, you know, men that, you know, in the Bible. Amen. 
Uh, put up another. Let's just, just, you know, John 9. Here's a good one. Okay. Verse 6 and 7. We'll, oh, yeah, got verse 7 here. Okay. It says this, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Now, this, is, uh, this was a blind man, came to Jesus, wanted to be healed. Come on. So Jesus spits on the ground, rolls a mud ball, smears it in his face. Now, he didn't do that all the time, or probably most blind people wouldn't show up. <clears throat> but just the facts, right? Come on now. It don't make sense. Spit. The word literally spit in the ground, rolled a mud ball, smeared it in the guy's eyes. And then he said this, go wash. Look at this. Where? The pool of Siloam. That's where he said. Okay. Everybody say go. Okay. So the guy's got, got a mud ball with spit, mud ball, smear on his eyes. Okay. And you'd think he'd just, they'd just say, okay, give me, the, give me the, the, you know, the container of water over the donkey there. Just give it here. We'll just clean him up now. Be, no, he said, no, you're going to go through town with that mud smeared on your face. Come on, somebody. But you got to go to the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed. And, of course, what? He came back seeing. He got his answer. Point is, it didn't make sense. See, if it was, if it was just the fact that you spit on the ground, roll a mud ball, smear it in somebody's face, and then go wash in a particular pool, I mean, that's, that we'd have this mud ball ministry. Right? I mean, it's just, anyway, but he didn't do that with every blind person, but he did it with this one. He was led by God, and then he gave instruction for that individual, go here, you go here and do this, this is, you'll, you'll get your answer. Does that compute? Not with the head, it don't. Now, we, as children of God who have read this and, and know this, we're all saying, well, yeah, praise ye the Lord, amen. Now, come on. If I said, come on up here. <laughs> I'd probably have very few people come up to the prayer line. Am I right? I'm not. I mean, really, right? You'd be thinking, he's spitting on me. Well, if I said, well, if you, if you let me spit on you, you get healed. No, you ain't spitting on me. Well, anyway, all right. Have a little fun with it. But anyway, how about Luke 17? Put that in. We're still kind of talking about this go stuff, right? Right? Okay, so this is what he said to the, uh, to the lepers, right? That group of lepers that got healed, all right? So when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. Go into town. They weren't supposed to go to town because they're, they're, they're made to be outside of town because they have a, a, a disease that's contagious. And so go show yourself to the priest. Now, that was a sign okay, that the only way you could get back into society is the priest would have to clear you as clean, okay? And so... At that moment, there was nothing there, but yet they went, and as they went, it says, they were cleansed. Of course, we know the story. One comes back, and a foreigner comes back, one of them, and, and gives praise. And he actually walks away, doesn't even have to go back into town to see the priest. He was made completely whole. But these were cleansed, so the disease ceased. So depending on what was, how much damage the disease had done, there probably was still evidence on them that uh, they had leprosy. That's why the priest would have to look at them check their skin, check and all that, and they, there were certain signs that would tell whether or not they were, the disease was, uh, had ceased. And so, but as they went, again, this, some, in the head, it doesn't make sense sometimes, right? So he gives instruction, go, go here, go do this. Now, there ain't nothing complicated about that. You just, you just get your legs moving. Get up, move that way. You know where they're at, go into town, and you know where to go. Okay, that, there's nothing complicated, but 
the head will war with it. Amen? Now, praise the Lord, they did, right? And as they went, they were, they were cleansed. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. All right, put, uh, if you will, uh, put, uh, let's put 2 Kings 4 up there. Um, you doing okay or am I boring you? Now, we're talking about, amen, we're talking about, you know, walking free, you know, from stress. We're talking about a stress-free life. Amen. Well, you, we're going to have to learn to, to, to let God be God. Follow God. Amen. Stop letting your head dictate and control. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elijah, saying, Your servant, uh, my husband, is dead, and you know that your uh, servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my uh, two sons to be his slaves. Okay? So this, this widow woman okay, has two sons, and because her husband owed so much that now the creditors are coming, they're going to take her two sons and make them their slaves okay, to pay for the debt. Okay, verse 2. So Elijah said to her, what, what shall I do for you? Tell me. I love this. Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Okay, we can work with that. Now, this don't make sense to the head. Verse 3, right? Remember, we're paying off a debt, right? So verse 3. Did I give you verse 3? And so he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere. From all your neighbors, huh? Everybody say go. That's what you got to do. Okay, so we got what you got. You got all you got at home is a jar of oil. Okay, all right. So Spirit of God obviously gives him a leading. All right. So go out there and borrow all the vessels that you can from everywhere you can. All your neighbors, go to everywhere and find as many as you can. Empty vessels from everywhere. Go get all you can. Get not just a few, man. Go get as many as you can find. Go get them. All right. Verse four. Now, right now, this doesn't this just it just Uh, I came to you because I have a debt to pay. Go get jars. You've been out in the sun a long time. I'm just saying, it doesn't make sense. So now, not only does it... Probably not make sense to her. She's got to go tell the neighbors, hey, I need to borrow any empty vessels you got. What are you going to do with this, Ethel? <laughs> well, the prophet God said, I'm going to pour oil in them too. And when the oil runs, and you know, as long as I keep have vessels, I just keep on pouring. And I'm just going to have all kinds of oil. I'm going to go up and be able to pay my debt. And they're going to look at Ethel. <laughs> Honey, you just buy anything on the internet, won't you? <laughs> just believe anything, won't you? Ethel, what's your problem, girl? Ethel, you know better than this. That's a scammer. He'd come and scam you. You know that. He probably wanted an offering too, didn't he? Come on. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. Verse 5. How far did I give you on this one? So he went uh, uh, from him. Uh, or she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons, and he, uh, went and did everything, right? So who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Here we go, verse 6 now. Now it came, uh, it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel, right? And so the oil then ceased. 
just like the man of God said. I said, just like the man of God said. Now, verse 7, put that one up there. And she came and told the man of God, and he said, now go and sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons uh, live uh, on the rest. Praise God. Do you think there was a little bit of a, you think some stress went out the window on that? You think maybe that stressful moment, you think mama was, you know, a little bit worked up, a little stressful about what was going on? Come on, somebody. I mean, she not only lost her, her man, uh, but now she's, you know, she's home alone having to raise these kids, and now, now they're going to end up being slaves. I mean, could you imagine just the pressure on that? I don't know. Maybe you don't see these things. I just look at them. Yeah, if, that, if that ain't stress, I don't know what is. And yet a man of God shows up and gives some kind of thing, and it just, it just flat don't make sense to the head. You know, we read about it later. We go, yes, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's right. That's what God will do. Until God gives you a leading like that, and you go, ah, that's squirrely. And you can imagine what she was going through. Now, she probably was at her wit's end, didn't, you know, what else? I mean, what else can I do? So I'll just do what the man of God said, you know. But it obviously happened and manifest, and the debt was paid, praise God. And they had enough there. They could even live further, or further on on that, right? Okay, how about this? Mark 6, put that up there. You still with me? Remember, if you, if you can get it, if you can, you know, you bring, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, and you keep taking this in, keep taking, you realize, you know, God kind of knows what he's doing. And there's one thing, that's what you find out, that even though your head don't get it, God knows what he's doing. And so somewhere along the line, you've got to bypass your own reasoning, amen, that even though it seems wrong, if you follow the leading of God, it'll produce life, Amen. Verse 37 of Mark 6 says, But he answered and said to them, You give them something to eat. Now, what happened was we got, we got 5,000 people. Okay. Well, didn't it say even 5,000 men? Am I right on that? And so we're, we, it could be, I mean, what do you think, brother? I mean, what, how many do you think? 20,000 could be very easily 20 grand there. Uh, just of, of, you know, the moms, the kids, and everybody all there. But 20, uh, it says here, uh, it said in that text, 5,000 men. So it, it could be as much as 20,000 people sitting on that hillside, all right? And so he, he, you know, he says, you know, they need to, they need to have something to eat. Uh, let's give them something to eat. And, uh, and, and they said to him, this is what his disciples said, uh, look, look, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread to give them something? In other words, 200 denarii worth of bread, that's a chunk of change and a lot of bread to feed this group. We're going to have to have a whole army just to go carry it all. Let alone going and buying it and clean out the stores and clean out the, you know, all the venues all along the street or whatever, wherever they get it, you know. And, you know, I'm sure it wasn't like, you know, Walmart or, uh, you know, or, or Freddy's or something like that. But, but regardless, praise God, they said, you know, was, you know that, this is going to take a lot of bread, man. It's going to take a lot of food to feed these people, all right. And God told them, you go do that. Okay, let's look at the next verse. Do we have another verse on this one or not? Did I give you another verse? I didn't give you another verse. Well, we know the story, right? What happens? He said, well, then what do we got? Well, we got a few loaves, a few fishes. Okay, set everybody down. <laughs> Just don't compute. Set everybody down. Uh, one of the texts says it literally had them in groups of like 50 Set him here and there because he's about, about order. Praise the Lord. I like that. Amen. 
So anyway, about order, praise the Lord. And so he, he lifts, the, lifts it, he blesses it, hands it to the disciples. And it multiplied in their hands. I just, <laughs> let's pray. It's all the disciples, you know, are probably facing him. I don't know. I just, whatever, get your own picture. But they're all like, oh, my God, this is so stupid. God, we're, we look like idiots. Right? Am I the only one that sees this? I mean, they're, you know, you'd like to think that they were all, yeah, amen, whatever Jesus says, that's the way it is. <laughs> Hallelujah. Darn right, Peter. Get her straight, bud. Ah, oh, shut up, John. <laughs> We're talking about all of them. They all denied him. Come on. In the end, all of them denied him. And we're talking about now standing in front of anywhere from five to 20,000 people sitting on a hillside, and he's got, you know, he's got a few loaves and a few fish in, in his hands, and he lifts it and begins to bless it. Come on. And all getting ready to hand it to the rest of them, they're like, oh, this is really weird. It just don't compute. But he breaks it and hands it to them. And as they're turning and handing it, it's multiplying. And as they hand it, it's multiplying. So not only do they feed, not only is it, I mean, really, to, to really be honest, you know, the feeding and the getting the people full, and it said literally they, were, they got till they were full. It wasn't like they just, like, took a little piece of, like, you know, like they took communion or something. They got a full-blown meal. They said they were full, and then when they took up the fragments at the end, they had multiplied more than what they started with. So the miracle wasn't even just the fact that they got full. The miracle was the fact they all got to experience something multiplying in their hands. And you can bet when he you know, first asked him, you feed them. They were like, just send them home. All right. Uh, what else did I give you out there? Um, Mark 16. This, this is a good one. Mark 16. This works. Okay. These signs will follow those that believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. Verse 18. They'll take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, by no means hurt them. Now, he ain't asking you to go out there and play with snakes. He ain't asking you to go out there and drink poison. But he just said, listen, if you ever come across this kind of stuff, you just know that you got somebody protecting you. Come on, right? And it will by no means hurt you. Amen. But look at this. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now you say, well, what's that do? Well, I mean, sometimes, you know, lay hands on the sick. Well, uh, no, I can't. Uh, not, not me. No, no. You can lay hands on the sick and pray for them, and they will recover. Now, does laying the hands on, on the sick, does that even seem like, I mean, when you stop and you think about that, did, did, I mean, think about it when you were back before you were even saved. I mean, I remember the first time I was even in, I was in an Andrew Walmack meeting, and my aunt, aunt and uncle, they took uh, Trudy and myself, this is before we were married even, and we got to, uh, they took us to some meetings, and they were having prayer lines after, you know, going on and everything, and, and um, uh, there was things happening, miracles happening. Now, I'm in the back row because that's, that's where I'm going to be, in the back row. 
right? Because, I mean, I'm thinking this is all weird anyway, but, but I'm kind of really taken by what the man had to say because he talked about the love of God and, and God's love for mankind, and I, I was eating it up, you know. And then, he, then he's praying for people, you know. And, and I'm just like, man, what's, and I'm seeing people being slain in the spirit. I'm seeing people going, oh, my God, yeah, yeah, wow, yeah. And I'm like, what's, and I, I literally, I mean, I, I, I got up on the chair, and I'm, I'm literally like, I've got my hands on, on my, aunt, my uncle there, and I'm just, What's going on? What do you mean they're healed? They really got healed? That lady's teeth really got healed? It don't make no sense. All he was doing, you know, in fact, when they were falling, I think I remember asking, is he pushing them over? <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, people think the same thing. You know, see somebody going, they, is, he, is somebody pushing them? Because it don't make no sense. Why would God have you like lay hands on him? Well, that's what he said. One text, lay hands on him, pray the prayer of faith, right? One place, anoint him with oil. I mean, some of that stuff is like, it don't make sense. It really don't make sense. But if he said lay hands on the sick, then guess what? You can lay hands on the sick and pray for them. And what happened? They'll, they'll recover. God will use you to do that. Well, it don't make sense. I, I could believe it maybe. Maybe I could believe it, Pastor, if you do it. No, God says you could do it. He said these signs will follow them that believe. There's signs that will follow anybody that will believe this. Are you still with me? I'm just saying that there's so many things that, uh, you know, that we sometimes we, we, we will allow our head to get in the way. And, and, you know, I was just telling a story the other day. I don't know who was talking with somebody. I can't remember now who. Maybe, maybe it was Brother Phil here or something. But uh, I remember, uh, um, you know, uh, a gentleman one time we were working in the mill and, and uh, he, was, he was loading up, a, um, it was a door company, and so he was loading up the uh, style board machine. He was loading uh, wood down there to, for these uh, styles to get bored out and everything, get, you know, for the door. And, and he's up high. He's, he's up at a whatever, probably about as high as, maybe roughly about as high as the ceiling. And um, he's up there, and, and I had heard that he wasn't, wasn't doing so good and he was, wasn't feeling good or something. And so I just kind of climbed up the ladder and went up there to him. I said, hey, what's up? Well, hey, Jerry, what's going on? You doing okay? Oh, man, I've been, been fighting some things. And I said, man, I've just got these migraines that are just, dang, man, I just I can't hardly see. And I said, well, man, can I pray for you? And he goes, yeah, I guess, you know. And he was thinking I was going to walk away and go pray. That's just what he did. He went, and we're up high now. Everybody, you're <laughs> God and country. Hallelujah. And just doing this, right? And he's just like. And I get done praying. He goes, thank you. you know? I said, well, how do you feel? Uh, better, better. I said, well, good. Praise the Lord. And I walked away, you know, so I don't know if I scared it out of him or what. but he was, Or maybe he just answered just whatever. But the point is, praise the Lord, it don't make sense to the head. But God says you lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Are you with me? Sometimes I had to get settled. I remember early on when, uh, you know, I remember, uh, you know, an elderly lady. I was just going. She was a widow. So I was just, I just made it my point. I'm going to go, I'm going to go help this woman after work and just make sure she's got all of her needs met and all that kind of stuff. And then pretty soon she just says, okay, you're going to do some stuff for me. All right. She said, we're going to go pray for people. Okay. And that's where it started. And uh, I had to get over the fear. Come on. And I had to be, come on, okay with Praying for people. Of course, she brought me to people that, 
ain't nobody else going to do this. So you're going to do this. What you going to do, Jerry? This, no, she introduced me to the first guy. She said, no, this is, this, you know, this is Roger, and you're going to spend time with Roger. And you're coming here every day, and you're going to pray for Roger. You got that? Yes, yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> Whatever you say. And you're going to pray for him. This boy's going to get better. You got that? Right. And every day you're going to lay hands on him. You're going to pray for him. All right? Yes. Why is he here? Well, they sent him home to die. Thank you. <laughs> Don't compute. I never knew this man any other time soon. I had no connection with him. Come on. And that's where it started. And we just, every day, all I knew is all I can do is just lay hands on him and pray. That's it. And I just strike up conversations as I'm doing. I just, you know, and I lay hands on him and I pray for him. Talked to him a little bit. Did a couple things for him if he needed it. And then I just out the door went. Came back the next day, did the same thing. And wouldn't you know it, he's recovering. Got to the place where he could communicate a little better. And he, I asked him, I said, what? What do you want to do? What, what is it you want to be able to do? He says, I want to be able to get in my car again and drive down and get the mail. We'll be, we're going to believe for that. And, that's, and that's, that's where it started. And just every day did it. Pretty soon he got his legs working again. Come on. Now he's walking, praise the Lord. And after a little while, kept going. He's, he's functioning more, doing more around the house. Come on. Getting out in and outside the house a little bit. Remember, they sent him home to die. All right. And guess what? Got to the place where guess what? He got in his car, was able to drive downtown, get the mail. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, that was that. Just lay hands on the sick and worship. I'm not the healer. I'm not the healer. I'm just a man, just a vessel trying to be useful. And he says, lay hands on the sick, pray for them, and they'll recover. So what are you going to do? Well, I guess you're, you know what you're doing. It don't compute with the head, but it doesn't matter what the head says. Is anybody else with me on this? Yeah. All right. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, let's do just a couple, few more here, maybe something like Luke 5. Look at that real quick. Luke 5, verse 4. Look at this. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Verse 5. Simon uh, answered and said to him, uh, Master, this don't make sense to my head. We toiled all night long, caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net, singular. Now, back at verse 4, he said nets. Jesus said nets, but he said net. <clears throat> anyway, so verse 6 says, And when they had uh, done this, uh, they caught a great number of fish, and their net, net, singular, was breaking. Come on now. Jesus told them, lay down nets, but he laid down a net. And, of course, but they brought in so much just with that one net, that it met the needs of, of not only their group, but those other area boats that came around and started pulling in everything they could. And uh, what happened, you know, again, Jesus was standing out of the boat ministering to everybody. And so I guess, I don't know, at the right time, whatever, he just says, okay, launch out. Let's back up here. Let's go out here a little bit further in the deep and let down. And, that's, and his head says, uh, remember, they're fishermen. This is their livelihood. They understand the waters, right? What seems right. But this didn't seem right. This seemed wrong. So wrong that he kind of amused Jesus a little bit. Come on. By throwing a net instead of nets. Come on, somebody. And uh, anyway. Anyway. And a net was a, you know, boatload, net breaking, boatloading. <laughs> A fish off one net. Amen. So anyway, how many say 
uh, you know, that probably didn't make sense to the fishermen. But they went out and they did it, and it happened just like he said. All right? Uh, just try a couple more here. How about verse uh, John 5 and 8? Put that up real quick. Okay, this is the guy at the, at the pool of Bethesda. Okay, uh, Jesus said, rise up, take up your bed and walk. Remember now, if you remember, he had a conversation with the man. You know, he comes up to him. He goes there. There's people, sick people all the way around the whole pool. They're all sitting there waiting for this water to be stirred by an angel, supposedly. Okay, and so they had got a little bit of a conversation. And Jesus, you know, said, you want to be made well. Okay, well, this guy goes into a whole speech about how nobody's here to help me get into the water. And he didn't ask that question. He asked, do you want to be made well? That's all. That's a yes or no, dude. Yes or no. Okay. Well, anyway, he got through his whole, you know, spill. And Jesus said, rise up, take up your bed and walk. Just get up. Now, remember, Jesus, that's the only place. Jesus only talked to the one guy there. Everybody was sick around there. He went to one person. Obviously, he was led. I mean, even you think about that, in your own head, you go there, you minister to the one, you think in your own head, well, let's just, let's just get the job done around the whole round group here, you know, but he went there, took care of what he was supposed to do. Remember, Jesus said, I don't do anything unless I, I hear the Father say it, and I don't say anything unless I, or probably don't say anything unless I hear the Father say it, and I don't do anything unless I see the Father do it. Amen. So that's what he did. He went and ministered to the one man, bang. But rise up, take up your bed and walk. Dude, I can't walk. Rise up. Take up your bed, go on home. And guess what? The boy was made well. Give me another one. Let's see what else we got here. Let's see what do we got. Luke 6, 10, that's a good one. Amen. Look at that. Okay. And when he had looked around at them, he said to them, stretch out your hand. And he did so as, uh, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. What would happen? They were, still, they were even in, I think if I'm not mistaken, they were actually even in uh, the house of God. And, um, and so all the, you know, religious leaders were there, and he calls, they're talking about, you know, things, and, and he calls that man over, and literally the, a verse or two before this, he, he called the man over with the withered hand, he said, come here, stand right there. I'm just, you know, sometimes you just think about, you know, and they're all sitting there, what is going on, who does this guy think he is? And that guy that's with the withered hand, he, you know, he calls him up out, come out of the seat, come on up here, sit down, or probably stand right here. And then he keeps on a conversation. This man is just standing with a withered hand. Finally, you know, at the right time, Jesus said, okay, stretch out your hand. And as he did, that hand was made whole and restored as good as the other. Ain't none of that makes sense. But the man was made well. I think about how many times in our lives we're just because something didn't make sense that we shut her down and we didn't move forward, we didn't get our breakthrough, we didn't get our miracle, whatever, because somewhere along the line we let our own head get in the way and mess up the process. Oh, hallelujah. <clears throat> ah. Put the Isaiah 1. We'll skip a verse or two there. Put the Isaiah 1. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land, or the best the land has offers, what that means. Everybody say willing and obedient. obedient. Put Job 36 up. We're ripening it up. Here we go. If you obey and serve him, what happens? Your 401k is wonderful. God's 401, right here. If you obey and serve Him, you'll spend, you shall spend the, your days in prosperity and your years in pleasure. Why? Because you, you, you obey and serve Him. 
So I'm just, you know, all this stuff, when God, there's just so many results that happen. And, and, and maybe this, you know, I'm not going to turn to all these, but, uh, you know, Deuteronomy 30 says, if you follow His ways, you, you know, you abound in all your endeavors. I mean, it just goes a whole list of things that, that goes good. And later on in the chapter, he says, you'll even have long life, you know, longevity of life because you're following Him. Uh, Deuteronomy 28 talks about the blessing because you're following Him, right? Come on. Uh, you know, we mentioned it earlier. Deuteronomy 11, days like heaven on earth. Why? Because you're following Him. Uh, your enemies are overcome because you're following Him. Deuteronomy 11, also James 4 even talks about that. Uh, safety and protection and security uh, come from just following Him. So we got Proverbs 1, we got Psalms 91, uh, we, you know, we can go out and all of them just talk about it. just follow Him. And, and, and a lot of times, see, the, the thing is, a lot of times it doesn't make sense to the head because He might lead in a way you think, that just seems so backwards. Provision, abundant life, the windows of heaven open, help when you need it, all of it comes based on following God in His voice or His leading or bidding, however you want to word it, amen, going in His ways, and His ways are always higher than our ways. Come on, somebody. His ways are always right, and, and yet you think about how much stress could leave and go if we just follow God in the little things. Did you get something today? And, and I, I, yeah, amen. Give the Lord praise. Come on. Hallelujah. And I, I think, you know, I can go back in my own life in certain areas. Why don't you all stand up? I, uh, I remember just things in my own life that somewhere along the line, due to fear, due to, you know, insecurity, or due to, you know, you just, it just didn't make sense. And, you know, because you're, you're reading the, you know, you're reading the bottom line, or, or you're looking at your watch, or you're looking at your calendar, or you're, you're looking at uh, the relationship or, or the, the other individuals or the other people involved, and you start, you start trying to reason and compute, and so it doesn't make sense. So we shut her down and we move on, and in the meantime, life just stays stressful. And the whole time, when maybe, that, maybe that thing would have turned around and we had ourselves a breakthrough and a miracle, something to testify about. Anybody hear me? I can go in my own life and lower. where I've missed it on places. Okay, can anybody else, or am I the only one? Maybe this is just for me tonight. So, um, anyway, I just, I just think about uh, just, you know, just because something seems right doesn't make it right. Just because something may seem wrong in your head doesn't mean it's wrong. And so, of course, it's coming down to, you know, grabbing hold of the Word, being sensitive and hearing His voice, amen, Letting God walk you through things. But again, just for whatever it's worth, I don't think there was any instruction in there really that was overly complicated. It just was a little bit awkward or a little bit, uh, but none of it was, was, was too complicated. And I think in our own lives, so many times that's the truth. It, the things that God leads, it's never going to be so complicated. Oh, I just can't. No, you can do that. It just seems a little weird or it seems a little awkward, or it seems a little bit, you know, what are they going to say, you know? And so anyway, just I, I hope to, you know, that we challenge you a little bit tonight on, on just, you know, being a little bit more aware and uh, not, not warring so much with your head 
the leadings that God gives. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, we give you praise, glory, and honor. Thank you once again for your word and uh, for your ways. And Father, we thank you, praise God, that we have ears to hear it, heart to receive it. Amen. That, Lord, that we have a will that's submitted and yielded to you. And, and Lord, as we do that, praise God, I believe, amen, stress is leaving. Amen. The issues are gone. Hallelujah. Things are changing. Praise God. We have breakthroughs and miracles. And Lord God, we have testimony of things that are happening and going on. Praise God. And we give you all the praise and all the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, turn to somebody and say, keep following Jesus. Amen. And you are dismissed. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.